again at the table of his word. We are going to open our study with a word of prayer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being with us today and for teaching us and meeting us, O oh Lord, at our point of need. We pray, Father, for open hearts and minds to hear what you have for us tonight, O oh God, and to allow the Holy Spirit to teach us your purposes and your truth. And because you always watch over your word to perform it, we thank you that even now that you're working in us, oh God, doing exceeding abundantly above what we ask or think of. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, tonight we have a word from the Lord, I believe. Hallelujah. And the message is entitled, Only Believe. Only Believe. Amen. We're going to open up by reading verses 9 and 11 from the book of Hebrews chapter 4. So Hebrews chapter four, verses nine and 11. It reads, there remains therefore a rest to the people of God. Hallelujah. There remains a rest to the people of God. And verse 11 tells us, let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. This last verse here, the last part of verse 11, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief, refers to the Hebrews who spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness, but never entered the promised land. They never entered into their rest, amen? And all those who had left Egypt, except for Joshua and Caleb, and those who were born much later on, 20 years and under, entered into the promised land. But the initial group that left with Moses, with Joshua and Caleb, failed to enter. And the Bible tells us that they failed to enter because of unbelief. And so we are warned and we are told that we must labor, therefore, to enter into the rest that God has for us. Amen. There remains a rest for the people of God. And in addressing his disciples, Jesus said, you know, that in this life, that 
we all will have problems. We all will have tribulations. But he says also that we must be of good cheer because he has overcome. Amen. And so, yes, we will be challenged the same way as the Israelites were challenged. Hallelujah. But you see, the Lord had a place for them and God had equipped them to go into that place, but they did not because of unbelief. Right now that we are living no longer under the Old Testament, but under the New Testament, hallelujah, we have to understand what happened in the New Testament. Under this New Testament, Jesus himself, who has said that in this life we will have tribulations, but to be of, of good cheer because he has overcome. He is telling us that he has overcome for us sin. He has overcome death. He has overcome hell. He has overcome Satan for us so that we can live victoriously in him. Hallelujah. All the promises of God, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20, all the promises of God are yes and amen in him. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20, all the promises of God are yes and amen in him. And when we believe in him, when we believe in his word, Hallelujah. When we order our life according to his word, praise God, then all his promises are yes and amen because we are in him. And it, the verse goes on to say, unto the glory of God by us. So God wants us to display his glory hallelujah, to make known his glory as we partake of these wonderful promises that he has for us. People will look at us and they will know that indeed there is a God in heaven who rules in the affairs of his people and they will give him the glory. Praise God, hallelujah. So this means that the devil has been defeated, amen, and he has no legal right to meddle in our life, to hinder our activities, amen, and we must know that, we must believe that, that all his attempts to steal, to kill, and destroy are destined to fail when we believe. Praise God, when we take God at his word. You see, there is a place that God wants us to enter where we can rest knowing that all things will be well with us. And most of us have figured that by now that we don't get to that place automatically by virtue of being born again. Yes, thank God, we have peace, the peace with God, we are reconciled to God, but this place of rest where everything is 
you know, shalom in our life doesn't happen automatically. We need to learn to receive from God. Hallelujah. And this is where faith comes in to the picture. We are called, the Bible tells us, to live by faith and not by sight. We must believe. We must decide that we will only believe God. And it is when we choose to do that, that we learn to receive from him and that we enter into his rest. Praise God. I would like to uh, go ahead right now and turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter eight. Um, there is a passage here, which I would like for us to, to look at, verses 49 and 50. Um, Luke chapter eight, verses 49 and 50. This account, that what we are going to read here is about a man, his name is Jairus, and this man has come to ask Jesus to heal his daughter who is gravely sick. Amen. Let's go ahead and read those two verses. Luke 8, 49 and 50. While he yet spake, there comes one from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, in other words, there comes a man from the house of Jairus who comes and says to him, and this is what he says, thy daughter is dead, trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. Amen. So this is an account here of this man, of Jairus, who comes seeking Jesus's help to heal his daughter. But we see that while he was yet speaking to Jesus, you have messengers who come to tell him not to trouble Jesus any longer because the daughter is dead. In other words, he is to abandon his pursuit to get Jesus's help. I want us to look at that same uh, account from another book, which is the book of Mark. There is a word here that I would like for you to see. Um, to, to underline because it's very it's very important for us uh, to see this. Mark chapter five, verses 35 and 36. Mark five, verses 35 and 36. <clears throat> While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. Amen. We see here that these are practically the same um, account. Um, except that there is a word here at the beginning of verse 36, 
Actually, three short words. As soon as. Amen? As soon as. I want us to notice that we are told that as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken by these messengers, amen, that he immediately said to Jairus, who had come to receive help for his daughter, Jesus tells him, fear not. He tells him, be not afraid, believe only. Amen. And listen to the promise. He says, and she shall be made whole. She shall be made whole. So let's examine for a minute, or should I say for a moment, the significance of Jesus's words, amen, as they relate to our focus today, which is believing to receive from God and to enter into this rest that he has for us. First of all, the, <clears throat> what I would like to highlight is the urgency that Jesus placed on instructing this father who had come for help, Jairus. We read that immediately, or as soon as Jesus had heard the messenger's report, that he wasted no time to give instructions. Amen. So Jesus gave some very important instructions. And he did that for a number of reasons. Because when you look at this, really, there are several principles at play here. Jesus sought not only to keep Jairus's faith alive, but he declared the word of life over this young girl's life. Understand that they had just told Jairus that his daughter was dead. So Jesus was reversing the messenger's negative report. Let's not forget that we are told in uh, John 10, 10, that Satan comes to do three things, steal, to kill, and to destroy. Amen. So that's his agenda. And he came and through messengers sent word to this father that his daughter was dead. And Jesus immediately steps on the scene and counteracts Satan's, what Satan is trying to do, amen. He comes in bringing strength, bringing health, bringing life, bringing wholeness, bringing peace, hallelujah. And he comes to fulfill what exactly what he said in John 10, 10, that Satan, though he comes to steal, kill and destroy, but he, Jesus has come to give us life and life in abundance. Hallelujah. Praise God. So it was necessary for Jesus to quickly speak life over the situation. Because you see, words will produce life or death. Or another word for death is destruction, as stated 
in Proverbs chapter 18, verses 20 and 21. Amen? Hallelujah. So, as I said, there are a number of principles here that uh, for which Jesus um, felt that it was absolutely necessary that he acts speedily. Proverbs 18, verses 20 and 21 say this. It says, a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Amen. So Jesus not only stepped up and gave instruction to, to, to Jairus, but he also reversed what the enemy was trying to do by speaking life over this girl's body. Amen. You see, words do matter more than most people realize. History was inaugurated with divine speech. It was through God's words that the whole world was created. Hallelujah. And then God created man in his image. And this ability that we have to speak is part of the package of being created in God's image. Amen. Because God intended not only to, for mankind to communicate with him, but also with each other on God's behalf. Thus, the gift of speech that we have been blessed with. Therefore, it's crucial that we understand <clears throat> the purpose of this gift of speech that we have received from God. Human speech was designed not only to communicate the intention of our mind and heart, but also to carry the power and authority to bring into reality the will of God. Amen. Let me repeat that. God has given us human speech so that we can carry the power and authority to bring reality of his will right here on the earth. That is part of our calling, amen? And this is a reflection of our being created in God's image. When God wants to create, when God wants to do something, he speaks it into being. And man being created in that very same image has been given the ability to speak things into being. Hallelujah. Words are not to be taken for granted. We are not just to say whatever comes to our mind, whether it is divinely inspired or whether it's the enemy. No, we have to learn to filter the word of God from the thoughts or the, the words that the enemy wants to place in our 
in our thoughts. Amen. And speak only that which is creative, that which is good, that which is divinely inspired, so that we can establish the will of God in our lives, the will of God in the lives of others and on this earth. Amen. Hallelujah. God recognizes, he validates, he empowers speech that is consistent with his will. So when we speak God's word, the words coming out of our mouth are a powerful um, expression of God's image at work in our lives. We have a wonderful example in Romans chapter four, which in explaining the steps of faith of Abraham, amen, uh, tells us in Romans chapter four and verse 19, that in accepting to change his name from Abram to Abraham, because Abraham means father of many nation, that Abraham actually was decreeing God's will or God's word over his life and family. Every time he called himself Abraham rather than Abram, and every time someone called him by that name, Abraham, it was God's will being spoken over Abraham's life and family, meaning that he had become a father of many nations. Hallelujah. So verse uh, 19 of Romans chapter four says, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. Amen. Notice that he did not consider that. Amen. But what did he do? In the following verses, we see that he called those things that be not, and hallelujah, he, he called those things that be not. In other words, he spoke them into being. So Abraham spoke what God had given him, the new name that God had given him that made him a father of many nations, even before he actually became in the natural that father, amen. But in the spiritual realm, it was already conceived and his name was now Abraham. Can you imagine people who knew him oh, nearly a hundred years old, not having any children, his wife being barren and he's calling himself father of many nations. I'm sure some people must have made fun of him, but you see Abraham had chosen to only believe God's report. Hallelujah. He was decreeing God's will over his life. And he chose to call those things that be not as though they were. Amen. And so this is the principle that Jesus 
was applying here, that he was calling those things that be not as though they were concerning this little girl whom the messengers had come to say that she was dead. So Jesus reversed what the enemy was doing and called life into this girl's body. And he instructed the father, amen. What did he say? He's, Jesus said, he was quick to tell the father, fear not, amen, fear not. You see, God wants to grant us life without fear. And actually this is his oath to us. He has sworn and covenanted in the blood of Jesus. You see, if we were to go back to, for a moment to Romans four, amen. Um, we look at verse 20, it says that, Romans four verse 20, um, it's, it says, he, that is Abraham, staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And look at verse 21. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Amen. Hallelujah. So Abraham came to a place of zero doubt fully persuaded where fear had no power over him. You see, before seeing the manifestation of the promise, and the promise was that he would be a father of many nations. So God was going to bless him with a child, hallelujah. <clears throat> Abraham was already, we are told, giving glory to God for the miracle. So if God demonstrated his power and greatness and his faithfulness way back then with Abraham under what we call the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, how much more now for us who are under what the Bible itself says is a better covenant established upon better promises, amen. Notice that I said that God wants us to live in peace, amen. He wants us to be, live free from fear. Listen to <clears throat> the promise that God had made to his people way back, amen. Uh, we are going to read that a passage from Luke chapter one, and we're going to see verse 68. Actually, we're going to read from 68 through 74. Luke one verses 68 through 74. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, 
that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. Hallelujah. That covenant made way back to whom? The fa our father Abraham. Amen. What is the promise that God would grant us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. Amen. Praise God. So a covenant was made with God's people that God would deliver them from their enemies, that they would only believe in God, put their trust in him and not fear what Satan can do. Praise God. And we see throughout the Old Testament that those who put their trust in God always were delivered. Amen. So that was true of the Old Testament, deliverance from enemies in order to serve God without fear. Now, how does that apply to us? Amen. Why is it that because God did that for Abraham, that we can somehow be partakers also of that promise? This is what I want to look at right now. First of all, in order to answer that question, we'll have to turn to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Amen. Hallelujah. So we see here that fear and death have been vanquished by our Lord and Savior Jesus. Things in general look hard for us when we judge with our mind that there is no natural way to make it happen. And this is what Satan uses to feed fear in our mind and to steal the word of God, to hold us back, to prevent us from receiving what God has already accomplished. What has already been accomplished, fear and death has been, have been vanquished by our Lord Jesus. So when we choose to judge with our mind without factoring in 
the word of God, then what happens? We become full of fear, which is exactly where the enemy wants us. You see, fear activates Satan the way that faith activates God. Satan's MO is to challenge the promises of God. So, in other words, fear becomes the enemy's source of power. The way that faith in God's word is God's source of power. So God wants us to grow in faith, which as his word teaches us, comes by study, amen? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hallelujah, we all know that. I believe from Romans 10 verse 17. Another way is through meditation. Hallelujah. The Lord told Joshua in Joshua 1 and verse 8 that he has to meditate on the word day and night. Hallelujah. So not only are we to study the word, hear and, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing, but we are called to also meditate on the word. And then also we are called to act on the word. Faith without works, James 2 tells us, is dead. So I give you three verses here. For lack of time, we cannot turn to all of them. Romans 10, 17. Joshua 1, 8, which speaks about meditation. And, and then James chapter 2, verses 17 and 20. Amen. Which tells us that faith without works is dead. And so <clears throat> we need to receive the word of God. Amen. We need to walk in the word in faith and allow faith to remove any kind of fear. Faith will dislodge fear. Amen. And this is, again, what, what is the essence of our message tonight, that we are to believe. Amen. Believe only. Uh, we need to get a, a, a good perspective uh, on why Jesus, without wasting one minute, turn to the father of this girl when the messengers came to tell him that the girl was dead. He says, believe only. You came to me for answer, so believe me. Hallelujah. You see, when we operate without fear, it means that we are using the word and we are allowing faith to have its full course. These are spiritual laws, spiritual laws, which work. Amen. You see, you cannot have both light and darkness operating in a place. It's either light or darkness. Light is stronger than darkness. So whenever you turn on the switch and turn on the light, let's say that you walk into a dark room and it's dark, you turn on the, the light, what happens? The darkness disappears. And the same thing here. These are two spiritual forces at work. You have faith and you have fear. So when you get rid of one, the other one will prevail. So by allowing faith to come in, 
through the word of God to work in us, then fear will have to leave. So once you get rid of fear, then what you have left is the word, which is full of faith and full of love that is working on our behalf. Amen. You see, this principle is explained in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says, <clears throat> there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. Amen. So we see there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Amen. So for instance, if we are believing God for our healing or standing in the gap for someone else, we must take God at his word. We must know that the cross has already happened. It's a done deal. It is signed, sealed, and delivered. Amen. Isaiah chapter 53. Amen. Verses four and five explains to us how our healing happened. And this is what it says, Isaiah 53, verses four and four, five. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Amen. Notice that it's, it starts by telling us in verse 4, surely he has borne our griefs. This is referring to Jesus on the cross. Amen. You see, we, when we lose something, we usually grieve. This is part of the way we are, we, we, we are built, the way we are made up. When, whenever we lose something, we usually grieve over it. And we are told here that Jesus bore our griefs. In other words, it speaks of Jesus dealing with, the, with loss and the fear of loss that we usually carry in ourselves. Amen. He dealt with that. And not only that, it says that he carried our sorrows, that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Jesus was wounded. The Hebrew word here means tormented. And we are told that by his stripes, we are healed. The word stripes in Hebrew speaks of being bruised. So if we can summarize that passage here, we see that 
Jesus not only dealt with the fear of loss and the, the, the whole principle of loss itself that may happen in someone's life, but Jesus was tormented for us. And that torment started um, with, you know, back in the garden of Gethsemane. It wasn't just when he was finally put on the cross. It started back in the garden, amen. And the, 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 it culminated there on the cross where he bore all of our fear and defeated it. Thus, fear has lost its power and is no longer uh, proven or an overwhelming force in the Christian's life. Amen. Jesus accepted that torment by faith, defeated it, and broke its power. Amen. So we must not base ourselves on natural reports or how we feel to determine the outcome of a situation. If we do that, we are reasoning without the word of God, which the enemy will use again to feed fear and plant wrong thoughts in our mind. Instead, what we must do, if we want to be victorious in that situation, is to replace every negative thought with the word of God and stay with it no matter what. Only believe the report of the Lord. Hallelujah. This is what we must do. This is the labor that we must do to enter into our rest. That's why we read that passage earlier, Hebrews 4.11, which says that we are to labor to enter into rest. We must labor until getting into the word, remaining in the word, doing like Abraham, though we haven't seen the promise yet come to fruition in the natural, but in the spirit realm, know that it, because God has said it, that it, will, it, it shall be as God has said, amen, and start praising the Lord before we see the miracle in the natural, amen. We must allow to uh, <clears throat> become fully persuaded, amen, just like Abraham. You know, listen uh, to what Hebrews 11 and verse six tells us. It says, Hebrews eleven six tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What does that mean? It means that only faith pleases God, not how we feel, not our complaining, not being fearful, but faith is what pleases, pleases God. And when we diligently seek him for him to establish us in what he has said, concerning our life, concerning whatever it is that we are, you know, we, we are trusting him for so that we can fully trust him, fully depend on him, fully follow him. 
when we go after his word and we just dig our heels in the word of God and refuse to move from that place. His spirit strengthens us. The spirit of the word strengthens us inwardly and causes us to be fully persuaded, fully established. And that pleases God. And the Bible tells us that he rewards those who do just that, who are diligently seeking his will, seeking his way of doing things. Hallelujah. One more scripture that I would like to read is 1 John 5 and verse 4, which tells us that whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Amen. You see, our faith in the good plans that God has for us. Where does it come from? They are born of God. Hallelujah. First John 5 and verse 4. It says that whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. So the faith that we have in the good things that God has for us, it doesn't come from the enemy. It comes from God. Hallelujah. And actually, even the fact that we are born again, the faith that we have, the measure of faith that we have to be born again, was dealt to us by God himself. The Bible tells us that we are born of the incorruptible seed of the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Amen. Hallelujah. So the word at work in us is what overcomes the world. We were able to become born again and overcome the old man, because we took God at his word and put our trust in him and we became born again. So the old person has passed. Now the new man is here. Along with this new man, now God has other promises for us and these promises will be fulfilled the same way. They are born of God. Hallelujah. And we must realize that the same way that God's word that is unmutable I mean, immutable, that is unchangeable, that is incorruptible and endures forever, was able to take us out of the kingdom of darkness and transfer it, transfer us into God's marvelous kingdom of light is the same word that is now working in the situations of our lives. So if God says something, he means it and he will do it. Praise God. If only we believe. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did then, he's going to do now for us. He does not change. Listen to Mark 11, verses 23 and 24. Mark 11, 23 and 24 says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he said. 
Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Amen. Hallelujah. In other words, do not doubt. Believe God and speak. Speak to the mountain that is facing you. With faith only in your heart, believe that what you say shall come to pass and it shall be. Notice the word shall here. It speaks of promise. It speaks of surety. It speaks of certainty. It, it, it speaks of the immutability of God's counsel. The fact that God's word is forever settled in heaven, that God's word never fails. And when we take God at his word, hallelujah, the word that is forever settled in heaven becomes settled in our life. And we see a demonstration of it in our life. Praise God. You see, truth is truth. Amen. And the same truth that worked for Jairus and for us works for us as well. And God is no respecter of person. At the end of the story, Jesus goes of, in the account of, um, of Jairus there. For lack of time, we won't have time to turn to it. Amen. But we see that Jesus goes, amen, and raises this girl back to life. The people were saying that she's dead, but to, for Jesus, she wasn't dead. Though people had said that Lazarus was dead, but Jesus already knew what, he, what was going to happen. He had already spoken the word concerning this girl. He knew that he would go to Lazarus and tell Lazarus to come forth and Lazarus would come. He had spoken life and what he says is what is done. It is his counsel that shall forever stand. Amen. So God wants us to approach, <clears throat> amen, whatever mountain is facing us, remembering that his word is forever settled in heaven. Praise God. And so this is the, his, his in, instruction to us. This is his encouragement to us. What he did in um, you see, the Bible tells us that whatever happened to the people that we read about in the Old Testament, all these things, and even in the New Testament, these are examples for us. In other words, examples for us that we should look at, you know, their lives. We should look at the, the, their trust and confidence in God and how God answered their prayers, how God was faithful to his word. And he wants to let us know if we do the same, then we are going to have the same result. Look at in Hebrews chapter six, we're going to look at verses 11 and 12. <clears throat> and then we are going to skip to verse 15. For lack of time, we are kind of skipping around. Hebrews six verses 11 and 12. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Amen. Now let's look at verse 15. And so after 
he, that is Abraham, had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Amen. So you see, Abraham became fully assured. Hallelujah. And so confident of this covenant he had with God that one night the Lord spoke to him about offering his son Isaac as a sacrifice. And we see that Abraham did not hesitate, but he rose up early the next morning ready to go. I mean, how many of us would do that? See, unless we knew that we knew that we knew that we had heard from God. And this is exactly the place where Abraham was. He knew that he knew that he knew. Amen. As one preacher nowadays says, he's, he made up this word, knower. He says, you know in your knower. Well, Abraham knew in his knower, amen, that this is what God had spoken to him. But also he knew that God had given him a promise that he would be a father of many nations. Praise God. And that through the, his, his uh, lineage, that all the families of the earth would be blessed. So Abraham did not hesitate. And when he took Isaac to that mountain to sacrifice him, he had taken two servants with him. But before they reached the top of the mountain, he told the two servants to stay there. And he told them, wait here and the boy and I will be back. Now, why would Abraham make such a declaration that he and the boy would be back, seeing that his plan was to offer Isaac as a sacrifice? Well, the answer is specifically because Abraham knew that he had a covenant, a covenant keeping God. Amen. You see, Hebrews 11 verses 17 through 19 says that uh, kind of summarizes for us where Abraham was in his faith walk. He says that Abraham by faith had already received Isaac from the dead. In other words, God had promised him through Isaac Isaac that he would become the father of many nations. And although all this was very new to Abraham, but he knew that God could not possibly break that covenant, break that promise. So Abraham must have reasoned that, yeah, he was going to offer Isaac as a sacrifice and God would just have to raise him back, back from the dead if he had to. He knew that God would do whatever it took to keep the, that covenant. And so when Abraham laid his son down on the altar of sacrifice, what happened was greater than Abraham originally thought because God gave him a revelation where he was able to tell his son when the son asked him, Father, where is the sacrifice? Abraham answered, God will provide himself a lamb. Hallelujah. He got this revelation that it was bigger than him. 
that something spiritually was happening here. And what actually happened was that when Abraham laid his son down on the altar of sacrifice, he opened the way for God, who was his covenant partner, to do the same thing with his only son, Jesus, on the cross years later. Amen. There was an exchange there. Abraham offered his son and God in response says, I will then offer my son. And the, the, this is, uh, you know, an awesome revelation for Abraham to have, see, have had. Jesus says this of Abraham in John, I believe, 856, that Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. Amen. But let's bring this closer to home. The important point for us to realize was that Jesus did not just appear on the scene at that time. He had been involved when we saw him, that is at that time, meaning when he came onto the earth. Jesus had been involved in that covenant from the beginning. You see, according to Galatians chapter three and verse 16, while God was binding himself in covenant to Abraham on earth, he was also making a covenant with Jesus in heaven. And we know that because in Galatians chapter three and verse 16, we are told now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He says not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. What does, what does that mean? It means that Abraham was the earthly representative and Jesus was the heavenly representative in this covenant. So the covenant was not only between God and Abraham, but between God, the father and the son. And by making a covenant with Jesus, he was making, that is God, he was making a covenant with someone he knew would never break it. And therefore there was no need for a curse to be attached to any covenant. To, to, to this, um, by any, I'm saying to the covenant that he was making now. You see, a curse usually speaks of negative consequences of breaking a covenant. But we have this new covenant now being made that has no curse attached to it. And it, this applies to you and me because same chapter here, Galatians chapter three, verse 29. This is the binding tie. It says, if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heir according to the promise? Amen. 
You see, through this new covenant here that was made with Abraham, we now who believe have received Jesus in our lives as Lord and Savior. He says, if you be Christ, we are Abraham's seed, who is the father of faith. Hallelujah. And because of that, we become heirs according to the promise. We are the unborn generation who then looked on God as he cut the covenant with Abram, who is the father of our covenant faith. Hallelujah. Romans 8.17 says that we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Through the new covenant, God has promised to care for us the same way that he would love and care for Jesus. And this new covenant is better than the old because the old covenant, if you read back in Deuteronomy 28, though it has wonderful promises attached to it, we also find that there is a curse that will fall on those who break the agreement. And this is where those two covenants are so different, the old and the new. We are under this new covenant. And although we ourselves have been guilty of breaking the terms of the covenant, but we've been freed from it, from the penalty of it, hallelujah. Why? Because somebody else took the punishment for us. Jesus was able to do that because and it, from the time he was born until he died at Calvary, he never broke the terms of the covenant. He went to the cross. He bore the curse or the penalty for breaking it, though he himself never broke it. And he did that so that you and I would not have to bear it. Christ became a curse for us. As it is written, curse is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. Hallelujah. This is what Galatians chapter three, verses 13 and 14 tells us. So, Bottom line, every demonic, every diabolical thing that could ever come against us during this lifetime was placed on Jesus when he went to the cross. He bore the penalty of, for our sin, not his sin. He bore all of our sicknesses. He carried all of our diseases. And what he did was to totally strip the devil of his power to harm us. He bore the curse 
for us so that we would receive the blessing of Abraham through faith in Jesus Christ. And so Jesus became the sacrificial lamb that established our covenant with God. His blood was shed. And the book of Hebrews tells us that we have a new and a living way to approach God. The blood of Jesus made a way for us to have a covenant relationship with the Father. Jesus was not only the blood sacrifice, he became our representative, the one mediator between God and man. He is our advocate with the Father. Hallelujah. And he not only forgives us when we confess our sin, but he also cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Amen. So you see, this covenant that we now have is a covenant that by far surpasses what the Old Testament had to offer. Amen. And to a point where we are told in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we see Jesus taking on our sinfulness so that in exchange, we, take, we can take on his righteousness. Praise God. Jesus exchanged his weapons and armor with us. For our weakness, he gave us his strength. Hallelujah. For our sin, he gave us his righteousness so that we are now in right standing with God. And he has become so totally one with us that he has given us the authority to use his name. Hallelujah. He says in Mark 16, verse 17, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. And then he goes on and give a long list of what we can do in his name. In closing this study, I would like for us to think on what was done for us, on this new covenant that we have, a covenant that does not depend on our ability to keep it, but on Jesus's ability to keep it. And we know that it, it is done. It cannot be reversed. Hallelujah. And to know that just like David had a covenant with Almighty God, just like Abraham had a covenant with Almighty God, and they saw everything done as God has said, we can also stand on our covenant with God, knowing that even our covenant is better 
because it carries no curse with it. Amen. And that every diabolical thing Satan could ever do to try to bring destruction from our life that Jesus has already taken it on himself. He bore the curse. He became the covenant sacrifice for us. And so we now stand saved. We now stand healed. We now stand delivered. Hallelujah. And so we must learn to receive from God. We must learn to take him at his word and stay with it until we see the manifestation of that word being fulfilled in our life. So again, going back to Hebrews chapter four, it says, verse 11, let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after that same example of unbelief. You see, we must believe that the word is here to profit us. We must decide to labor to enter into that rest. Labor, that is study, that is meditate, that is act on the word, hallelujah. And for sure, we all know that fear always leads to torment and not to rest. Unbelief leads to failing and failure. Unbelief is deadly, but God says to us, only believe. Our faith-based prayers will lead us to rest. And the key is to mix faith with the word. It is to fight the good fight of faith, knowing that as we enter into that fight, we've already been declared the victor. And our labor, is to be obedient to the process. It is to learn to endure in order to obtain. And God is reassuring us tonight that if we only believe that we will enter into our rest. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for your word to us today. Reminding us, Lord, to only believe, to walk by faith and not by sight. And that it is a choice that we have to choose to believe you, O oh God. Because indeed, you have a rest that you have reserved for your people. We thank you, Lord, that we are that generation who looked on you 
as you, Father, were cutting that covenant with Abraham, who was our father of faith, O God. As Levi was in the loins of Abraham, so were we, O Lord God, in his loins also. Because we have chosen to believe as he has believed. And because of this, we are your heirs. We are joint heirs with Christ according to the promise. And therefore, Father, we strengthen ourselves in the revelation that the enemy has no right over us. He has no right over our present. He has no right over our future. And as we forge on, we thank you for enabling us to press forward in life in you, O Lord, believing only in your word, being fully persuaded that we are fighting from a position of victory and not for victory because we have already won. We thank you, O Lord, that we have been declared more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us and gave his life for us. Thank you, Lord, that by your grace, we will remain faithful to the process of receiving from you. And we will live to testify of the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now unto you who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of your glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and evermore. Amen and amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I thank God for this wonderful time that we've had together tonight in this study. I pray that it's been a blessing to you. We invite you to come back next week to be with us at the same time. You have a good night and God bless you.